Hello, I'm Scott Millis, senior pastor here at Living Word Family Church, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope that today's message encourages you and equips you in your walk with Christ. Here's today's message. It it has been a long time. Boy, this is high. (laughs) Uh, It's been a long time since I've had this opportunity, and uh, it was scary. I have to be honest. It was scary. Uh, The older I get, uh, it becomes more and more real to me all the time. What an awesome uh, responsibility we have, all of us, you too. Be- we carry around in us the greater one. He lives in us. Do you, I mean, do you ever just ponder that? The God that said, let there be light. And everything that exists came at his word. And then he gave us his very self. I mean, he died for us so we could be in communion with him all the time, not just when we're being good. He goes everywhere you go. He hears everything you say, sees everything you do, and loves you and me so much and then this morning we sang that song all my days you have been faithful all my days you have been so so good now when you're 77 years old that's a lot of days and each year that passes makes me see even more how good he is how awesome he is, and how wonderful his love is. And that's, um, I don't think you have to wait till you're 77 years old to know that. Uh, I recognized the reality of God when I was a child, and, and nobody told me how to connect. I was in a church that, that taught me lots of rules taught me lots of the word, memorized, you know, like, I'm, like a book, you just kind of memorized it. But they, they never, I never got it anyway. Let's say, let me say this, I don't want to blame them or put a black mark on a, a, a church, but they never really told me how to be born again. And when I heard that you must be born again, I, it was like, Oh, sorry. <laughs> Siri wants to talk to me this morning. Um, I, when, I, when, I, <laughs> when I heard you must be born again, when I really heard that, I never heard that in the church where I grew up. You know who said those words? Jesus himself. He, he, the Lord Jesus himself said, unless a man is born again, he can't even comprehend the kingdom of God. Uh, but you, so you must be born again. And, and it was like a floodgate opened when I made that decision. My life completely changed. And the, one of the strongest things that happened to me was this insatiable hunger for the word of God. And I'm so thankful we have the Bible. I'm so thankful uh, we can study it, read it, 
ponder it, meditate it, uh, share it, <laughs> give it away. It's, it's at least right now, it's not illegal to give somebody the word of God. Jump on that, people. They're trying to take those things away from us. And, and another thing that Jesus did was he taught us how to pray. And he said these words. Uh, My father's house should be a house of prayer for all nations. Sometimes we leave those last three words out, for all nations. And, uh, but it's just not just a house of prayer. But that's enough. If you just said, my father's house should be a house of prayer, guess who the house is? Individual, each of us. Corporately, the church. And if you're in the church, you should be a prayer. And if you're not a prayer, a good starting place would be to come to a prayer meeting and listen and learn and practice and, and rehearse. And it, it's not about saying prayers. That's how I grew up. I said prayers. I memorized them. I had lots of prayers that I memorized. A couple I said in German because my heritage is German. But praying is, is communing, communicating, talking to, asking questions even, listening. Oh, that's a big part of prayer, listening and hearing the vo voice of God. And, and so prayer became a, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? It's just like a driving force or a part of my life that, that uh, increases again as I got, get older. Part of the reason it increases as I get older is I have a little more free time now. <laughs> I don't have a bunch of kids running around. <laughs> and, and so, but, but, so I tell you, when you have some free time, I remember a girl that taught us, I, many of the gals in the church will remember, Patsy, uh, used to be Patsy Beerman, Patsy Caminetti, came and did a women's conference every year for a long, long time. But she made the statement before she got married, while she was single, she did, had so much time to spend in the Word that she didn't have after she got married. And she was encouraging the single girls, the younger girls, the ones without kids and responsive jobs. I mean, if you're still in school, that's your job. But uh, if, you're, if you don't have a full-time job and you don't have a lot of uh, responsibilities economically, like you don't own a piece of property that you've got to pay, make payments on or all this, You've got some time right now that you need to start investing in the kingdom because there will come a time when you've got a house full of kids or uh, a big job or a big career or something that takes you away, takes you here, there, everywhere, keeps you busy. You're like, you know, they, they call it the rat race. And then it's hard to find that time. So invest the time now so you can draw on it later. Fill yourself with the word now. Spend time pursuing God now. Press into his presence. Wherever you have time, do it. I'm telling you, it's life or death. And when you're young, you don't even comprehend those words. Life or death. You think you're going to live forever. Now, if somebody asks you if you're going to live forever, you'd say, well, no, everybody dies. But you think you are going to live forever. That's how a young person's mind is. It's just that way. It's... it's that's the first lie the devil told people. You shall not surely die. 
And he's been telling that lie ever since. That's how he, one of the biggest tricks he has to keep people from going all in for God. So anyway, we were, we were uh, when we were at prayer Monday night, um, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this first part, but one of the first things that God um, stirred in me and I in turn stirred our little prayer group with was uh, here we are. <laughs> we are um, part of a word church, living word family church. We have the word right there in the title. And, and we b- preach the word, teach the word, study the word, emphasize the word as the ultimate truth. Was it just last week? You, yeah, the belt of truth last week. You talked about that. And, and that truth, that was the first piece of the Christian's armor that we heard about last week and how important it is to have that. That's the anchor. That's everything else hinges around what ultimate truth is and there is ultimate truth. And it is God's word. And Jesus is the word made flesh. So he said, I am the truth. We look at him to see how to live and how to act. And we're a part of a word church. And we're a part of a faith church. We believe in the authority of the believer. We believe the word is what it says it is. Does what it says it'll do. Means what it means. You know, it's, it's truth. You don't look at it and say, I wonder what that means. Read it. It'll tell you what it means. It means what it says. So we say we're a word church, a faith church. We even say we're full gospel. Another word is Pentecostal. That scares people. (laughs) (laughs) And when we first started Living Word, uh, there were all kinds of scary rumors going around about us, things we did here that we never even came close to doing or thinking about doing, you know, like sacrificing chickens and I don't know, just strange things, just strange things. People imagine things, but, but we believe the word, the whole word, is God's word. And that's, that's a foundational truth of this congregation. So, uh, one of the things, uh, being Pentecostal, is we have that extra added power source of being able to pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in tongues. <laughs> and so we do that. I do that. <laughs> and uh, we need, when we gather together as a prayer group, we need to be unashamed to pray. Now, I know some people have a really hard time praying out loud because I was one of those people for the longest time. And I, I, I started out in a denominational church and there was a group of us that got on fire and we were just hungry for things of God and we were meeting together weekly and we always started our gathering with a word of prayer and we'd all stand up together and the guy that was leading it would call on somebody to pray and I always became invisible then. I had this invisible cloak that I could put on and nobody could see me. That was my mind. (laughs) Anyway, one night he called on me to open the meeting in prayer and I thought I was going to die in a pile. (laughs) But I didn't. And I prayed. And when when the meeting was over, I went to him and I said, oh, 
I don't know why you did that. You know I don't like to do that. But he said, but you did it, didn't you? And I said, yeah. And he said, and you didn't die, did you? And I said, no. And he said, and nobody laughed, did they? And I said, no. And he said, you can do it again. And he just encouraged me. And, and that was the first step. And, and I'll say this. At our prayer meetings, you won't be called on to pray out loud. If you want to, you can. It's kind of all kind of, you're, you're, you're free to pray. But the thing is, you're free to pray. And we're created to pray. We have an ability to pray. And it's something that we need to develop, especially in this time period where we're living right now. And so uh, don't be afraid if somebody prays in tongues. And don't be afraid to pray in tongues. And sometimes when we're all together, it, for the purpose of praying, we all pray in tongues at the same time. We're not talking, you know, when you're praying in tongues, you're not talking to one another. You're talking to God. The Bible says that. And your mind is unfruitful. That means you can't figure out what you're praying. You don't have to worry about what you're praying. You can rest in the confident assurance that because that's the Holy Ghost uh, giving you the unction to pray that way, you're praying God's will perfectly because it's God helping you do that. The Holy Ghost is called the helper, and he helps you pray when you don't know how to pray, what to pray as you ought. And that's a, that's a miracle that you can't truly understand. That's why we have faith. We're a faith church. And one of the greatest ways to exercise your faith is pray in the Holy Ghost. It builds you up in your faith. So anyway, I don't want to spend a whole, the whole time, my time this morning, uh, talking about that. But I do want to encourage you to pray in other tongues. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14, it says, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit, my spirit prays, but my mind is, and, or understanding is unfruitful. And so we can pray, and we don't have to be worried. Well, what did I pray? I might have prayed something awful. Not if it's God praying through you. If you're praying something divinely wonderful. Now, it could be uh, an awesome thing that's almost too big to comprehend. And, I mean, when you see it come to pass, you can't even think, I prayed that out. You know, you know why this happened? Because I prayed for it. Have you ever heard people talking about that? Their, their, how powerful their prayer life is? That's another great thing about being able to pray in the Holy Ghost. You get rid of that pride because you don't know what you prayed out. And when it comes, God gets all the glory for this good stuff because he's a good God. And you can't go around saying, I did that with my faith. <laughs> or I prayed that through, you know. You know when you're done praying because you'll sense a release. But you don't have to be concerned about when or how the answer comes. You just trust God. If you trust him to help you pray, you trust him to bring the answer. Meantime, we can also pray with the understanding. It tells you that in the same chapter, 14th chapter of uh, 1 Corinthians. There's a whole bunch of teaching in there. And if you read it and ponder it, you know it's not nearly as confusing as churchdom has made it to be. It's, it's really not. But um, praying is something we're, we're supposed to do 
as people of God. We should enjoy praying for the most part. I know when we're in a trying situation, it's hard to pray. And uh, sometimes you just want to scream or cry or throw up your hands and say, I quit because it's a battle. There's warfare. And uh, it's, but God never gets tired. God never wears out. And God never, ever gives up on us. Um, I think about our sister Diana, and I, and I will miss her terribly. <laughs> I uh, have, have met very few people that touched as many lives as she did with so much love and joy. And, um, but, you know, Diana gave and gave and gave of, of her love, her, her joy, her heart, her encouragement, and uh, she was a prayer. She was. I, I, she couldn't walk in that much joy, probably, and not be a prayer. She just had a connection with God. And uh, I will miss her, and I know most of you will, but any of you that had any contact with her uh, will. But I know this, uh, she didn't fail and God didn't fail. And, and uh, we've, we've just got to recognize we're living in a weird time. And there's always a battle going on. And we have an enemy. And uh, I sat down the other day, Larry and I were talking, and he said, when, when, I, when we found out about Diana, he said, we're under attack. He pounded on his bed. <laughs> now here's a man that's been flat on his back for over two years. Cannot move unless somebody moves him with the exception of his uh, two arms moving like this. He can feed himself, and that's about it. Pull his blanket up, you know, whatever he can do with his hands going like this. And he went, we're under attack. And I said, what? He said, our church is under attack. And I said, yeah, we are. And I, I, I don't know where he was going with this. He said, we need to pray more. Okay. <laughs> and, and coming from him, uh, who God used to start all this, it just stirred in me again how important it is because there is a war. And we don't just need to have a battle mentality. We need to have a campaign mentality we're gonna we're gonna fight till we win and we win because i've read the end of the book and jesus made it made us more than conquerors and conquering doesn't always look like we think it will look spiritual things are spiritually discerned and so uh, we have got to build our trust in this god that's always good. Not things that look good. What was you said? We're, it's not about buildings and things and all the things that he does, but it's who he is that we need to know about. So I, uh, we wanted to, we wanted to uh, pray the way God pray wants us to pray, and kind of when I when I spoke. The, the one thing that I talked about at the prayer meeting that kind of triggered Scott's uh, request 
was I read something out of the book of Acts because that's the early church. And so you, you have to give me a second or two here to get my crazy iPad open or I, because that's where my Bible is. Everything you need to oh, be quiet. Sorry, I'm having trouble hearing you. Shut up. <laughs> I will get it open. It says it doesn't recognize my fingerprint. I'll outsmart it. <laughs> okay, now that I have my Bible open, and uh, I'm going to go to um, the fourth chapter of Acts. So if you have your Bible and you want to go there, fine. Uh, but before we go there, I want to give you a little preface of why, there, why this is going on, what's going on in chapter 4. If you know the book of Acts, that's the beginning of the church. It's not a separate church. Often we talk about the early church. It's the church. This was the beginning of the church, but we're in the same church. It's Jesus' church. He said, I will build my church. So what goes on there can go on here. Get it? Okay, it's the church. And in chapter 3, Peter and John uh, went to the temple. And there was a man there sitting at the gate who had been uh, lame since he was born. This is in chapter 3 now. If you want, I'm just sort of going to summarize that so that you can uh, tell what happens when we get to the uh, chapter 4. So they went there to the temple, and it says in the very first verse, they went at the hour of prayer. Ah, they had an hour of prayer at that church. <laughs> and Peter and John, who had just experienced the infilling of the Spirit, the, the chapter before that was Pentecost. Remember that story? And the rushing mighty wind and the... They all spoke in tongues, and they went out in the street, and 3,000 people got saved at one sermon. And so now Peter and John are going back to the temple to pray. wonder why. I mean, they just saw something absolutely, totally supernatural and miraculous with this sermon, but now they went to pray. And when they did, they saw this man who had been crippled from birth, asking alms, that was his way of, living, getting gifts and offerings from people, uh, you know, and he, they looked, he looked at Peter and John, and they told him they didn't have anything to give him, but what they did have to give, they didn't have any money. They said, we don't have any silver or gold, but such as I have, I'll give you. And they reached out their hand, took his hand, and said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, stand up and walk. A man who had been lame from birth. I tell this story almost every day at my house. I tell this story to my husband because he cannot walk. He's only been that way for a little over two years. This man had been that way his whole life from birth. He could not walk. And I read this story to encourage me and my husband because we are in the same church and we serve the same Jesus, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I'm in today. I want some of that same stuff. 
So I read this story a lot. I tell this story. I don't have to read it anymore, but I do read it because I never want to get away from what God says. I don't want to, uh, you know, start embellishing it. They took him by the hand, and he stood up and walked and leaped and ran <laughs> into the temple. He went running, walking and leaping and What's the rest of it? Praising God. They didn't, he didn't say, wow, look what these two guys did. They, he praised God because he knew God was the worker of that miracle. And he went right into the temple, running and leaping. And I mean, what would you do? Now, here's a man had never used his legs. He didn't have to go through therapy. He didn't have to have a walker. Didn't have to have a stick a stick or a crutch he just took off running and leaping and praising God created quite a stir gathered quite a crowd Peter and John walked in with him and, and at one point in chapter 3 it talks about how he was holding on to them I mean probably just you know wouldn't you hang on to those two guys for a while if they had just raised you up in the name of Jesus and they started preaching People gathered around a big crowd, said all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that this was the guy, that he was the one that was set begging alms at the beautiful gate. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement. So, uh, this is verse 11 in chapter 3. The lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John. All the people ran to, to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, <laughs> He responded to the people with a preach. <laughs> he just preached to them, and he talked to them. Don't marvel at this. We didn't do this we didn't, by our own power. We're not, we're not uh, anything special. We're just like you, basically. But he talked about their God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He did this through Jesus, the one you crucified, by the way. He tells them this. He said, it's that Jesus, and he, he wants to work through all of us. And he, he's just preaching away, just talking, and, and then that farther down he says, so repent, be converted, your sins will be blotted out. Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and he, that, that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before, whom heaven and earth, he's even talking about the second coming already. He's got the whole gospel here in this little sermon that he's preaching on Solomon's porch to these people. And he talks about, he quotes from, he quotes from the Old Testament, their, their Bible. There wasn't any New Testament yet. And he was telling them, uh, it says, this, this is one of the quotes he said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. This Moses wrote this. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. He's prophesying about Jesus, Moses, clear back. Moses, he wrote the first five books way back in the beginning. And all the prophets, they said, uh, Peter and John, from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, has all foretold these days. Peter's saying, we're here. The church is finally here. That man that was prophesied came. He paid the price. He's redeemed us. He's brought us back into his family. 
And he said, he, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. He told them all to repent. He told them that Jesus came to, he, to take away their iniquities. He made the whole gospel presentation. And while he's speaking, guess who comes in? This is chapter 4. Here came the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees. They came upon these, this little sermon going on in the porch, and they were greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people about Jesus and the resurrection from the dead. And the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection from the dead. That's why they're sad, you see. <laughs> that line wasn't in there. They, don't, they didn't believe in the resurrection. And so they were trying to stop this heresy in their mind. You know, it's kind of like some of the things we believe, like earlier when I was talking about praying in tongues. If it doesn't fit somebody else's doctrine, rather than them saying, hmm, maybe there's something to this, they just deny it. There are people like that, you know. Don't fault them. They don't know. They just don't know. And I know I was one of them that had been taught, that's of the devil. But when you read and know Jesus, you, you suddenly start seeing things with spiritual discernment rather than mental reasoning. And so anyway, all, they, these, these men from the temple, these, uh, what I want to call them, uh, church police. <laughs> I don't know what they were. Anyway, they, they laid hands on Peter and John and, uh, and the lame man. They're all there together. It, and put them into custody till the next day because it was already getting toward evening. But it says in ch verse 4, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of men came to be about 5,000. Now, I don't think there were 5,000 there right then, but keep in mind, 3,000 got saved on Pentecost. Now it's increased up to 5,000 just by this sermon here in the porch. So there must have been a, a, a bunch of them. Now, the next day, after they'd been overnight locked up somewhere, then <coughs> the rulers, elders, and scribes, verse 6 in chapter 4 says, as well as Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas. Those men were involved in the trial that Jesus had before he was crucified. They called it a trial. <laughs> uh, there were some other people, John and Alexander, who we know nothing much about, and many as, were, as many as were in the family of the high priest. All these high-ranking uh, officials of the uh, Sanhedrin were there and when they had set these three men in the midst they said by what power or by what name have you done this how did you do this who gave you the authority to heal this man now I am amazed that so-called men of God would see a completely recognizable miracle and say, who gave you the right to do that? But you know, that's the way they treated Jesus, too, you know, when he was doing things. 
By what authority do you say these things? Who gave you the right? Going around doing things on the Sabbath day, telling people to pick up their bed and go home. And, I mean, you know, they, they just were nitpicky uh, uh, about the law, and they forgot that they're dealing with souls, with people, with children that God loves. So who, in whose name or by what authority have you done this? And so here we go. Uh, the message starts again. Uh, Peter, <laughs> filled with the Holy Spirit, the scripture says in verse 8, um, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for doing a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means has he been made well? Then let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, <clears throat> whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. And then the, he quotes an Old Testament scripture again, the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. In other words, he uses their own scriptures to help them see that God is fulfilling exactly what he said. Then he tells them, there's no salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now they noticed how bold he was both Peter and John, and they, they were not educated men. These were not men that had been brought up in the seminary or whatever they had back then, and they couldn't understand how they could talk so boldly and clearly, and the only thing they could see was they had been with Jesus. Jesus had kind of warped their minds, I guess. He, they didn't know they were fulfilled, that they, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They just thought, well, that Jesus kind of got them. Then they saw the man healed, standing right there. And they, it was like, what can we say? You know, we don't want them here. We don't want this going on. But here's this healed guy. What, do you got, what are we going to do with him? And uh, so they stepped this three, John, Peter, lame man, put, or healed man, I should say, put, it, put him out of the chamber for a while and discussed among themselves, what are we going to do with these guys? Because in verse 16 it says, indeed, a notable miracle has been done through them. It's evident for everybody to, who dwell in Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. So how are we going to stop it? <laughs> so that it spreads no further among the people. Let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. Does this sound like something that might be going on in our neighborhood? Getting kind of close, isn't it? We can't talk about things like God created them, male and female, he created them. Because that doesn't fit the new, whatever they call it, that's in the schools today. So we can't talk about that. There are other things we're, they're telling us. We've got to tell them not to say that. That's 
hate speech, when we're speaking love language. This is how, how darkened people's minds can be. So we don't want this to spread. We don't want this good news to get out. We don't want this healing stuff to be uh, multiplied. So let's give them a threat and tell them they can't speak in that name anymore. So they called them back in, told them not to speak. Peter and John said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. But we cannot speak the thing, we cannot help but speak the things we have seen and heard. In other words, you decide if we're doing wrong or, right or not, but this is what we're going to do. <laughs> we're going to speak this way, whether you think it's right or not. So when they had further threatened them, they threatened them again, then they let them go. They couldn't figure out how to punish them because there were so many people that had already believed. And they were, there was a crowd gathering. Because, and so they, uh, all these people are glorifying God, and here's the God leaders trying to punish somebody for doing a God thing. So they let him go. This man was over 40 years old. He'd been lame, crippled for 40 years, and he's now healed. So the next part is the prayer meeting. And this is kind of where I uh, got a little heated at prayer meeting. <laughs> Not heated, on fire is a better word. I wasn't angry. I was excited because uh, the first thing they did was they went to their own companions, their own company, it says in the King James uh, Bible, and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Now, they could come, you know, people could come in here and say, you know what, they told us we can't, uh, we can't preach about a certain topic. Who told you? Well, you know, the government. They said, we can't talk about such and such or so and so. Uh, well, the Bible says so and so, and we're a word church. We're, we're just preaching the word here. We're going to preach, you know, they're having a discussion. They talked about what they were told they couldn't do anymore. They were told not to speak in the name of Jesus. Okay? And, and uh, so then all the people, it says, the, prayer, the group, the company, their companions, let's call it the church. Okay? Because that's what it was, the church. That, uh, when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. I sometimes think, how, do they, how does a whole group of people raise their voice? In other words, it wasn't just one person. It was all of them raising their voice in one accord. How do they do that? How about tongues? <laughs> if the Holy Ghost comes on you and you're all praying, even though it doesn't all sound the same, it's the same God generating the same prayer through all these people. Now, I'm not saying that's what happened there. It doesn't say that, so don't go off saying, well, she's just, you know. But I'm saying that's one way it can be done. Another way is if you know Scripture, you can just begin quoting Scripture. If everybody knows the same Scripture, you can quote it together. But I don't see any evidence that Peter said, let's all recite Psalm whatever, you know. <laughs> because what they ended up saying was uh, uh, Psalm 2, but... Uh, I think that's Psalm 2. Anyway, uh, they, they just began to pray. 
And the first thing that came out of their mouth was, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Praise to God, magnifying God, recognizing who they're talking to. They don't just come in and say, hey, I, I found something in this Bible and I'm, here I'm going to ask for it. I'm a believer and I'm entitled to this. It's my covenant right. No, that is all true. But we don't go in ordering God around. They were worshiping him first. They were magnifying him first. They were praising him for who he was and what he had done. And then they quoted some scripture back to God. Who, by the mouth of your servant David, have said, God said this, <clears throat> Why, uh, David said this, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his Christ. Notice those four groups. The nations, the people, the kings of the earth, and the rulers. They're saying all these things are happening right out here. You know, now we could probably say those same things today. We could probably say those same things today. I have to admit to you, uh, I don't follow the news really, really close. I, 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 you know, I just kind of see bits and pieces of it from time to time as I'm walking through uh, Larry's room and he might have the news on or I might be flipping channels or something on the TV trying to find something worth watching. <laughs> it's <just> very hard. <laughs> uh, but I don't, I don't really... I just don't follow the news very because I get angry easily. And so, and anger is not a good uh, emotion to let take control of your life. You say wrong things, you do wrong things. Anger is not, uh, I don't have good control over anger. It, it, and so I, there are things I just try to avoid to stop getting angry. But, but I, I do understand there was some kind of a big meeting or summit or something going on over in Europe, this, and we signed some kind of an agreement and where all those nations are coming together to make a decision to change the whole world for our benefit, of course. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, this verse talks about why do the nations rage? Why do the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together and ultimately it's against the Lord and against his Christ. Now, we think of Christ as Jesus, but if you read that, I know I wrote this reference down. I think it is um, Psalm 2, the first two verses of Psalm 2. Uh, it'll say you're anoint his anointed instead of Christ. That's what the word Christ means, anointed, the anointed one. And uh, so in the, New, in the Old Testament, they, they said the anointed one, okay? In the New Testament, it says Christ. And they both refer to Jesus. It's just the different languages that they were written in. Okay, now the next verse says, For truly, against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. Now here's those same four groups. Herod is a king. Pontius Pilate was a ruler. The Gentiles are all the nations, and the people of Israel were the people. And so those same four people, they're saying, truly, this is happening. You prophesied this clear back through the mouth of David. 
that they were going to come against your Christ, your anointed one. And now, here they are. They're coming against your holy servant, Jesus. We healed a man. They, I mean, you know, they, they didn't bring all that up. They just said, this is what's going on. We see it. What they're after is to destroy uh, the reputation, the knowledge, and to eradicate the reality of Jesus Christ. That's what they're trying to do. And it says... They were gathered, all these people doing all of this were gathered together. Let's look at this next verse. This will shock you. To do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, what they're basically saying here is we're in a sticky situation. It looks like everybody's against us. But the one thing we know is you've got a plan and you've got a purpose. And however it's going to work out, um, you're in charge, God. They, they weren't throwing up their hands and say, we surrender, we're going to give up. No, what they said was, now, <clears throat> read on. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants, that's us, the church, that with all boldness they may speak the word. By stretching out your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Now they're praying the exact opposite of what these four groups are trying to squelch. They're, they're praying, Lord, you've got to help us here. You've got a plan. Something's going on. We know it. We recognize it. But we still have an assignment. We've been called to go into all the nations and preach the gospel to every creature. That was the last words Jesus left his church when he, when he left this earth to go back to heaven. He told them, go now and do this. I've got all, I've, all the authority has been given to me. Now you go. You preach the gospel. You make disciples. And he gave them assignments in my name. Cast out devils, heal the sick. You know, he gave them a whole, whole list of things they could do. And then he told them, wait till you get filled with the Spirit, though. <laughs> You're going to get power, so don't leave till you get that power. When the power comes on you, well, they just had experienced that. So they're ready now, okay? They're saying, Lord, <laughs> you're going to have to give us the boldness to do what you've called us to do because we see all this going on. Now we see why you gave us this assignment. There's a bunch of crazy people and demons running loose. And we got to preach the word to help people get saved. We can't just sit around and gripe about the government. We can't just sit around and complain about the fact that the news is nothing but bad. And we can't just cry out for the right man to be in the Oval Office. It's not about this government it's about his government we are part of his kingdom and we have got to do what he has assigned us to do and anointed us to do and he didn't just anoint preachers he anointed every believer you have an assignment from the lord jesus christ himself and so <laughs> it said when they had prayed and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. When's the last time your building shook when you prayed? 
<laughs> and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, they were already filled with the Holy Spirit before. We just read in the, in the previous few verses how Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said this, and filled with the Holy Ghost, he said this. But here they are being refilled. So let's stay filled, people. Let's not rest on what happened back in the 60s or the 70s or whenever the charismatic renewal came through or, or the uh, Brownsville revival was happening or the Toronto happening was going on or all these things. They were wonderful. They were good. They were, they were great and they happened. But let's be about the Father's business now. And what was the first part of that business? What is the Father's house all about? Prayer. Prayer. And there's power in prayer. And it said they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Guess what? If you're going to speak something boldly, it's got to be in you first. It's hard to speak the word of God if you don't have any word of God to speak. So let's go back uh, I think it was, I even wrote things down from, just from memory, not, uh, but in the three Sundays ago, which was Pentecost, <laughs> we heard about the baptism in the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues as one of the benefits. Um, then the next Sunday was Memorial Day, and uh, one of the phrases that I heard that day was, earn this. That was a quote from a movie. It wasn't a scripture. Uh, so I, ha I have a scripture for you. Earn This came from uh, Saving Private Ryan. And uh, I didn't see that movie, so I don't know what exactly, other than I know it was a people risked and lost lives to save this man, and since they saved him, the guy said to him, now you earn this. Live, a, you know, live like it, you, you were worth saving, in other words. But we have a scripture and I want, you to, I want you to mark this in your Bible. This just jumped out at me when he preached this message because I'm doing a little Bible study with my granddaughters right now. We, we get together just about every week, uh, and, and we're working through a little book, and the title of the book is called Worthy of the Gospel. <laughs> and uh, I, I, that phrase just intrigued me. It's... It, and this, is, this little book that we're going through is actually a devotional. It's not a Bible study. It's, it's 14. It's a two-week devotional. We've been doing it for, what, three or four months anyway? A long time. <laughs> anyway, it's written as a devotional. And I picked this one because I thought it sounded pretty good. You know, the titles were pretty. In it's been one of the hardest Bible studies I personally have ever done. And I am very thankful to my granddaughters that have been coming very faithfully and haven't quit because it hasn't been easy for them <laughs> either. Okay, the verse I want you to see is chapter 1 of Philippians. Uh, let's see, chapter 1 and verse 27. <laughs> and he, prior to this verse, 
Paul is talking about whether it's easy, what, what should he do? Should he die and go on to be with Jesus or should I stay here? It's, you know, I'd rather go and be with Jesus but because he was a prisoner. He was locked up. He, you know, he, let, him, let him execute me. Let me go on home, you know. But it's more needful that I stay and he's taught, you know, hard-pressed between the two. But anyway, he says, nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you and being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you for, for all your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant. And then in verse, one, in verse 27, he says, only <laughs> let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now listen to the next verse. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which to them, when you're not terrified by all the stuff they're doing, that's proof of their destruction, their perdition. But to you, not being afraid or terrified, it's evidence of your salvation that comes from God. So don't be terrified when the world around you seems to be picking on you, coming after you, trying to steal everything you've had up to this point. Stand in faith. He's te teaching them, striving together for the faith of the gospel. For to, then he says in verse 29, For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but to also suffer for his sake. Having the same conflicts which you saw in me and, and now here is in me. See, this has been going on. Scott talked about that on the memorial, at his Memorial Day sermon when he talked about all these people that died just trying to get the Bible to people. And it's still going on. Started way back, but it's still going on. People are still giving their lives up for the gospel. And just because we live in a country that has been relatively free for over 200 years doesn't mean we deserve all this. Get it? We have to choose to live by faith in any circumstance. We need to learn to pray for the believers all around the world, the ones that are being persecuted, the ones that are like Neil and Danette that are coming next week. Um, I, I listen to some of the things they tell, and I think, wow, I couldn't do that in a million years. Well, if God told me to, I could. He didn't tell me to do that. He told Larry and I to start a church from nothing. That seemed like, what? How do you start a church? Who starts a church? We both grew up in denominations that have been around for a long, long time, and uh, you don't just start a church, do you? But there was a need in this area at that time for a church that would stand up for the whole gospel, the word of God. And, um, you know, one of the first things that he laid on our heart was to minister to his down and outers. The word his always stood out to me, that God has people, they're his people, but they haven't got enough of him to rise up and be conquerors because he's paid for us to be more than conquerors. He's 
paid for us to be victorious. And he's also commissioned us to talk about it, tell about it, and share it with wherever we go. And so, uh, I think I've, I've pretty much covered what I need to. Uh, I just want to encourage you to recognize that prayer is one of the most powerful, powerful things we can do. And if you aren't a prayer, if you say, I just don't know how to pray, I, I just never feel led to pray, hey, guess who's telling you all that junk? You are a prayer because you are a child of God. Do you have trouble talking to your family, to the people you love, the people you care about? Do you have trouble talking to uh, your friends? He's our friend. He's our brother. He's our savior. He's our father. He, I mean, that song of the, the goodness of the Lord. <laughs> All the things. You know him as a father. Known you as a friend. I just, we need to know him in all those aspects and then some. And not be embarrassed to talk to him. Be counted an honor. Not to be afraid when you have the opportunity, <laughs> have the opportunity to share something from wherever. You know, Somebody might ask you to come to their... Uh, I, I was invited to a wedding reception one time and they asked me to pray over the uh, food. They didn't invite me as a, as a preacher person. They invited me because I was related to the bride. But when it came time to eat, I was the one that got to pray for, all, for all, everything. And this was not a Christian gathering. <laughs> so um, be ready in season and out. Be ready, always ready. And one of the best ways to stay ready is stay prayed up, stay filled with the Spirit, and walk worthy of the gospel. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you enjoyed today's message, consider sharing it with a friend. For more content and information about Living Word, check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. And remember to live the gospel and preach the gospel.